this is probably the only episode I'll give a trigger warning for. Well, thanks for we're giving a- me this one. Thanks, yeah, man. we're gonna do talk a lot about incest, and uh, we won't dwell on it. But this episode has a lot of incest in it. I figure if you're coming to true crime, you're fine with rape happening because that's what oh my it God. pretty much is. But. <laughs> Welcome to Criminal Giants, a comedic true crime watch-along podcast where we watch Criminal Minds, all 15 seasons, and discuss the true crime that can be linked, however indirectly, to the episode. We're your hosts, Stacey Johnson and Veronica Shea, and this week we're joined by Samantha Hale in discussing Season 1, Episode 14, Riding the Lightning. Hi, I said I will do it, but only if there's lightning in the title. That's right. You're a lightning bitch i didn't have anything i started and i thought it Baby, would come in you're yeah, like <laughs> lightning in a you're bottle you know that song no no <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't get it from that what is that you couldn't have gone with grease lightning <laughs> oh that's more recognizable yeah, probably a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. I'm sorry that you have such an awful case, <laughs> Sam. This is <laughs> yeah. I I didn't know what I signed up for. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, it's it's a nice couple. Uh-uh. Sorry, I fell down. Wow, what's happening? Sorry, I fell season? I fell down. How are you? Okay, get it together. That's girl. how I felt when I read what they did. I fell yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> I was what? like, the we can curse on this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I figured. I'm like, we're talking about terrible balls. Things. Yeah, they did things with balls. They did. I don't know. I was like saying Fred's balls. Did they do? Okay. I was going to say, did they do things with balls? It was a lot of not balls. Yeah. I'm assuming Fred had them. (laughs) Rosemary probably had them. TBD. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just power grip on his balls. We're off to a good start. Good job, guys. We're doing good. Okay. So episode 14, Riding the Lightning. The gang is heading to the prison. They are in middle of nowhere, Florida. There's 36 hours till the execution of Sarah Jean and Jacob Dawes, who supposedly killed their two-year-old son and 12 blonde teenage girls that they buried under the floor of Jacob's workshop before an anonymous call about Jacob was made to the police. A new victim has been found buried under Sarah Jean's mother's living room. So the team is going to try to get a deathbed confession before the two are executed. There are a lot of blonde women and women in blonde wigs outside of this <laughs> prison holding signs. Also, being in Central Florida, they're going to you know, get electrocuted on Old Sparky, which is a Bundy nugget, which brings us to our very first independent Our Buddy Bundy segment. Beep, beep. I thought about doing a get ready with me video as soon as I was done getting ready. Welcome to our buddy Bundy. So top of the episode, the gang rolls up to a prison where this guy is being sentenced to death because he's a serial killer. And this is about the time where if you blink, you're gonna miss the Ted Bundy nugget because when they get to the prison, there's all these women out front and they're chanting, they've got signs and they all like look the same. They're blonde and like young and whatever. And Hotch says, oh, those are the women of Jacob. They're dressed like his victims. Ah. This is pretty messed up and also where Ted Bundy comes in is when Ted Bundy was on trial, there were women outside the courtroom who were dressed like his victims. There were a bunch of idiots outside with long hair parted in the middle wearing their hoop earrings and they did this 
to get Ted Bundy's attention because they thought he was so hot. They thought he was so sexy. There was a woman who was quoted saying, oh, he just doesn't look like the kind of guy who would murder somebody. Ted Bundy even married one of his supporters. Her name is Carol Ann Boone, and he ended up representing himself on trial and called her to the witness stand to be a character witness for him, where she proceeded to say he was so kind and wonderful and amazing. What a man he was. And he proposed to her right there on the spot. There's a notary there, so it was like a legal marriage. Um, and the moral of that story is bitches is crazy. Thank you for coming to my literal TED Talk. Okay, yeah. So Amanda brought up, like, there was just a big to-do about Bundy getting executed, and there was so many fans and then also protesters of the fans outside of that yeah, prison. Yeah, it was wild to me, the fact that they dressed up like the victim. Mm -hmm. <sighs> what? Like, yeah. these are real women who lost their lives. What the fuck are you doing? He's not going to make I love know. to you. He's going to cut your face off, you idiot. Yeah. But you, I love uh, him. There, I mean, yeah. there's like, I like bad boys. And then there's like, I don't understand the difference between right and wrong. <laughs> like, that's insane. I mean, it's just like Ramirez, the same thing. He would get the groupies in the courtroom. Yeah. And that's just as bad. And they feed off of it. And these guys love it. It's like, why are you rewarding them for the most terrible thing they could possibly do? Oh, my God. No. So just, gross. No. And also this episode is, I mean, is a lot of Bundy stuff because Bill Hagmeyer went and tried to get deathbed confessions from Bundy the two weeks leading up to his execution. Mm. So that's kind of fun to see here. Didn't Bundy like at first start admitting to things in the third person, like hypotheticals? Yes. And then yes. eventually he's like, mm, okay, yeah, I did it. There's some that he's never fessed up to that were third person. Uh, there are some that he has been presented with and wouldn't discuss that they do yeah. think was him. So, so his number with a lot of the, we'll call them A-team serial killers, like the A-listers, their numbers mm -hmm. are very, you'll see like a range, like convicted for 42, suspected 70 to 96. Yeah. Like right. it's, right. yeah. That's insane. Right. Yeah. yeah. I dated a guy for a while and I got, a, not Bundy. Um, I, I got, was like, girl, <laughs> what a nugget to drop. No, 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 no. But close enough in a way, because this guy, we were talking about like family, told him stuff about my mom. And he told me a true story about his mom barely getting away from Ted Bundy. He said yeah. that, yeah, because she was living up in the Pacific Northwest and she was working at a shop late at night. And the strange, but like kind of good looking, charismatic guy came in after hours and knocked on the door and kept asking if he could come in. I just, do you have a phone? Oh, oh, okay. Well, can I just use the restroom? And she said that she just felt something was off. And so she kept saying, no, I'm so sorry. I can't let you in. And he would not leave. He was so insistent that finally she said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to grab security. I will come out. He will let you in. He'll escort you to the bathroom came back the guy was gone yep and then like maybe a couple weeks later she was watching the news she's like holy shit that was the guy yeah yeah when ann rule was still alive because she wrote the book on bundy right and knew bundy and was friends with bundy and up until he died was corresponding with him she would get letters from women and there was two different letters there was either the but don't you think he was really a good guy deep down and she was like no i don't no i knew him i was friends with him 
he is not a good guy. Yeah, friends might be a strong or an interesting word. She was. They were friends. Mm -hmm. Like, she had him over for Christmas parties. They worked at the suicide hotline together. Oh, before she knew what he had done. Right, right, right. And then he kept in touch with her because she was writing the book and that was, got it. you know. So she has seen all of Bundy basically. And so she was like, no, he's not a good guy. And it's like, cause she would, every edition would have a different forward by her with like new information coming out. And the other letter was, I think I ran into Bundy. Here is my story. And she was such an expert. She could tell these women, yes, that was him. And you're lucky to be alive. Or that was not him. He was not in that part of the United States at that time. Cause he, when he was on the run, he went all over, yeah, including into New England. There's a lot of almosts for Bundy. It's yeah. very scary. And and every single one was like, I just felt like something was wrong and I ran. That's and I just got the fuck out of there. Insane. Yeah. We have gut instincts for a reason. Yeah, You can just tell sometimes people's energy. You just know something's not right here. So always listen to that. Like it's when you have like the hairs on the back of your neck and they're telling you to like cross the street, just fucking cross the street. Just Yeah. Why not? If it's a good guy, he's not going to say anything. And if it's not, he's going to yell at you. You know what I mean? Like, thank God you crossed the street. And you get your steps in that way. So yes, cardiovascular health is so important. It's a win-win so that you can outrun the next guy. Correct. This is what we live. This is what we deal with. It's 2023. This is what we're still dealing with. (laughs) This is it. This is our life. It's yeah. fun here. It's okay. our life and it's now or never. Stacey, we don't have the rights to any of these songs. <laughs> I know, but I'm full of song bites tonight. <laughs> um, okay, so they've now moved Sarah Jean and Jacob to the death row holding to await their execution. The team is there again to discover if there's any more victims. Sarah Jean has admitted to only to killing her son, but she's never admitted to killing any of the girls. Morgan and Elle go to interview Sarah Jean's mom for more background, which happens a lot when they like are about to interview serial killers. They'll interview their entire friends and families first to get as much information as they can before the killer. She is delightful. She's a drunkity drunk drunk. The mom. The mom. She's just throwing back Stoli. They were like, yeah, just just look haggard and look like you're angry and you drink a lot. She's like, I got this. Here we go. Oh, my God. But she had received a statement of innocence from her daughter in the mail that morning. The team at the prison bring Sarah Jean and Jacob into different meeting rooms to begin questioning them. Elle calls Gideon with this note. He starts reading it to her. She freaks out. Reed continues reading it to her. Basically, she blames herself for all of the girl's deaths, whether or not she committed the actual murder. Mm -hmm. So now Gideon and Reed are trying to get a stay of execution for her. And they try explaining that With Jacob's fantasy, it would be totally ruined if she had been there. And while she confessed to killing her son, they believe that she was the anonymous call that ended up getting her and Jacob arrested in the first place. And they don't think that she killed the kid because no body has been discovered. Yeah. JJ decides to try and help Hotch with Jacob since he likes blondes and she's a cute blonde. And they play for jj and a hand of poker very strange yeah but hotch is trying to get information out of him and jacob loses and is like there's no other bodies 
And Hotch and JJ get up to leave. And then Hotch pretends to get a call saying that a stay of execution has been granted for Sarah Jean. And then Jacob yells that he can tell them where all the bodies are buried. And Morgan and Elle find another body under a gazebo that Jacob built. But it's not the son. It's another girl bringing the total to 14 teenagers. Then they find kind of this like picture article about this kid in Sarah Jean's cell. They discover that the boy is a 17-year-old cello prodigy he's very much alive and she had left him with a family that she used to clean for jacob is off to get electrocuted hotch lets him know that they found the son he's not gonna you know control sarah jean forever uh he gets electrocuted he sucked (laughs) then they go to the house where the kid is Morgan and Elle are ready. They're like, we're going to get him. Here we go. We're going to get Sarah Jean off death row. And Sarah Jean convinces Gideon to just let it rest, right? She's like, I don't want my son to know who his parents are and live with that. Like, I'm okay to die. I would like to save my son. So they apologize to the family. And the family is like, oh my God, thank you. This was about to be very traumatic for everyone. And then Sarah Jean is executed. And that is our episode. (laughs) Very little Morgan in this one, though, mm-hmm. which was not okay. Not okay. <laughs> but whatever. At least there was some Morgan in it. Because right. there right. should just be a lot of shirtless Shamar Moore in every mm. episode, I think. Well, that's what the show is based on. That's how it got picked yeah. up, right? Yeah. Shirtless Shamar. That was <laughs> they it. Just they were like, that. Yes. I was like, Dude, put him in whatever. Just <laughs> put him in a shirt. Gimme, gimme more. Okay, Stacey, do you want to rate... So, Sam, we rate him in a helpings scale. Okay. Obviously, we understand that Shamar Moore is always a 10. So he has to have his own scale, right? So it's a one to five helpings. How like, many would you have kind of thing? Like in a yeah, night? Yeah, like would you have one helping in a night, two helpings based yeah, on the photo that we sent you? Okay, so real talk. Oh, God. Yo, no, okay. No, hit me with no, it. Stacy goes first. Stacy goes first. Hmm. Okay. Real talk. You're going to say you don't like him. Uh, what do you have to say, Stacy? <laughs> I just got kicked off this episode. I okay. I am Can we introduce you to Alyssa Poteet, who is starting the anti Shamar Mark? Oh, I know Alyssa. I like Alyssa. Alyssa's okay. the best. Yeah. That's so funny. I, okay. I'm going to give this one a five. And let me tell you okay. why. Because this photo reminds me of someone I had a massive crush on in college. He looks so much like him and brought back all the memories. So, yes, this is a full five. Hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> a five. Okay. She's sighing. She has I'm really mad about what you're about to say. I'm going to give it. She's really mad. I'm going to give it a three, I think. Just because there wasn't enough Shamar and he had to spend the whole time with Elle, who I detest, which I felt really soured the whole Shamar experience. But he's not in a collared shirt, which I appreciate. And he's not in purple, which I also appreciate. (laughs) So I'm going to give it a three. Samantha? So based just on this picture. Yes. Okay. Okay, well, based on the picture alone, like any picture of him, it's going to be a five. He's stunning. Like, we know he's gorgeous. Boom, baby! However, maybe I did like him in this episode because he didn't talk that much. (laughs) Did I just cancel your podcast? But it doesn't matter. Um, We don't need him to talk. (laughs) No. (laughs) He's gorgeous. There's no way around that. But I think that men who don't know how gorgeous they are are hotter. Yeah. 
I'm more into that, like really good looking guys who are just so chill and normal. And they just kind of see themselves as like kind of a dork or whatever. I think that's super hot. I like that. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Okay. So let's just dive right in. There's so much to cover on these two. Oh, yeah. We gave you a terrible case. Yeah, you did. Don't get started yet. Don't get started yet. Okay. What's happening over there? Life. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so let's dive into it. Yeah. I mean, they, Fred did not have a great childhood, it sounds no. like. And what struck me was issues with the mother. I'm like, it read to me as like very Norman Bates situation growing yeah. up. Yeah. But like the fact that all these horrible, like incest, it was normalized in that family. Mm. So reading it, it seems like he legit didn't know it was wrong. Well, allegedly, because allegedly. his brother That's true, said so that wasn't true. Yeah. it was all f- a lie. Yeah. And so like, but there are also families where one child is getting abused and That's no true. one else is. That's true. But yeah, he did allege that his mother introduced him to sex at 12. 12? Yeah. While his yeah. father carried on incestuous relationships with his sisters. Didn't I ask for Ed Gein? How did I get this He's shit? not, this is very <laughs> Gein-esque. Gein's in season three? I think is Gein. We'll get You'll there. I'll Gein. be back. You'll have Gein. Okay. Don't you worry. Yeah. Let's start with his childhood. Let's do it. Shall we? He did with his. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there was alleged <laughs> abuse. Who are we talking about? Fred Fred. West. Thank you. I guess. Oh, God. We haven't said Fred and Rosemary West (laughs) is who we're going to talk about. Thank you, Stacey. (laughs) Kind of an important part. Romeo and Juliet. We were talking about Romeo and Juliet the whole time. Here we go. That would be a twist to the story if they were brother and sister. That would take it to a whole new level. Wouldn't that just be Star Wars? I love um, you. I know. They do look like, with these haircuts, they do look like they could be related, It's actually. not great. I mean, every account of Fred is how gross he is. And I was like, yeah. how are all of these women, like, staying with him? Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's get into it. So besides the fucked up childhood, which may or may not have been true, with a domineering mother, a disciplinarian father, potential sexual abuse... He himself would make aggressive passes at teenagers and like fondle them. And then I thought what was really interesting was at 17, he was in a motorbike crash, which fractured his skull. So this was in the early 60s. Yeah. He was 17, but he was in a motorbike accident, which fractured his skull. He was unconscious for seven days. So he definitely had some kind of brain trauma. And if it's frontal lobe trauma, that has definitely been linked to psychopathy and like fits of rage, depression, and impulse control issues. Yeah. So that could be what we're seeing. But even before that, he was an asshole to women and he kind of thought they were for him to use. So we're not excusing it. We're just saying that could have played in. He got My favorite is that he got a second head injury. I love this. When he molested a girl on a fire escape and she punched him. And he fell two floors. Fell two floors. (laughs) Good for you, girl. I know, right? There definitely was some damage and not using that as an excuse in any way, shape, or form for his behavior. But like that could lead up to a lot of behaviors that he was doing. I mean, I guess a brain injury that would lead to, that would affect your empathy, wouldn't it? If it's frontal lobe, yes. Yeah. Like, so you don't, you can't empathize with like how much you're hurting someone. Like it doesn't register to you. 
Yeah. That this is, this is a person, this is an innocent person in pain that you're inflicting. Yeah. Like it doesn't occur to you. Oh, this is bad. I shouldn't do this. Right. Yeah. But it was interesting that we will get into it later. But when we, uh, when they got Fred and Rosemary got into a fight and she was chasing him with a knife and the knife went into the doorway and like somehow it wound up almost severing her fingers off. And her response was, well, buddy, look what you did. You got to take like, what? Yeah, she did. She wasn't even affected by that. No, she's that's she's psycho insane. I mean, I guess people find each other. But like, what are the odds of someone this violent and this fucked up finding his counterpart who's just as bad, if not worse in a way? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, what are the odds? I mean, they say people find each other, but oh, my God, it's wild. Yeah. So in 1961, Still a teenager, he impregnated his 13-year-old sister, who he had been molesting for six months. He was arrested for these crimes, but his sister Kitty changed her mind about testifying, which forced the case to close. Yeah, so off to a great start. I mean, imagine how terrifying that must have been for her. She's 13. She's already been through enough. And yeah. who knows what the other family members were saying to her about, like, you better not do that. You're going to embarrass the family. Mm-hmm. I mean, that poor girl, I can't even, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I can't even imagine. They did kind of rally around her and they did kick him out of the house. He had to go live with his aunt and he really never got back in with the family, which is good, but also like... Why would Violet take him in, though? I know. I don't know. Like, I would be like, bye. Go fucking live in a box, you Yeah. Psycho. Go go kick rocks. Live under a bridge, dude. Go. Bye. You're a troll. Uh, When he was 21, he married Rena Costello, who was pregnant with her baby, Charmaine, from another man. Charmaine would be born in 1963. In 1964, Rena and Fred had another daughter, Anna Marie. He kept Anna Marie and Charmaine caged in a lower bunk bed, and they were only allowed out when Fred was at work as an ice cream truck driver. Oh, my God. And he had a lot of affairs with women and even had a child with another woman. And I'm wondering if they were affairs or if they were raped. He forced himself. Yeah. 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 But, like, abortions were not legal at this time. I would also like to say that blanket Mm -hmm. statement. So... He's around children in his job. He doesn't want children. He has two at home. In a cage. In a cage. And now they bring in Issa McNeil as a nanny. And her friend is often visiting her 16-year-old friend, Anna McFall. Okay. In 1965, Fred accidentally ran over and killed a young boy with his ice cream truck. So he and Rena pick up and move to gloucestershire and oh this is in england we should say <laughs> we're yeah. not doing a good job of actually we're yeah, in was, england y'all yeah and looks in the episode it was florida it was florida but yeah, red and rosemary good. are in england in the area of gloucester so they're now living in a caravan or what americans will know as a trailer with their two kids them their nanny isa and the friend anna mcfall who is 16 years old. In 1966, he begins exhibiting dominance and control over all of the women in the caravan. But a lot of the brunt is taken by Rena, his wife, and McNeil, the nanny. He would also attack the children and began sexually abusing Charmaine while he had Rena prostituting herself for supplemental income. So he's a really good guy. Oh my God. <laughs> really good guy. <laughs> Rena and McNeil devise a plan to escape. 
We love a lady with a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was actually tipped off by Anna McFall, who at this point was like trying to marry Fred. Yeah, like what? <laughs> like gross. Why? Like he's in an uggo. And he's like barely <laughs> literate and he makes no money. Yeah. Like where is the attraction? The, yeah. But Rena's lover, she had also started an affair with a man, John McLaughlin. He and Issa McNeil's boyfriend come to collect them. And there's a whole scuffle and they end up getting the women out, but not the girls. So the girls are left there with Fred and Anna McFall. Then Rena decides to split her time living with Fred and McFall is trying to convince Fred to divorce Rena and marry her. She's 18 years old and eight months pregnant with his kid. And then she vanishes. She was never reported missing. She was never seen again. But her dismembered remains would be found in 1994 after Fred's arrest. So we've got that going for us. What do you think? Yeah. Rena returned to living with Fred full time. As you do. Shocking. I know. I can't believe Rena kept coming back. She ultimately moved out again, but she left the girls with Fred. And he, whenever he was not with a woman to take care of the girls, would put them basically in the foster system. So they were placed with social services, which wouldn't social services start looking into why you keep fucking sending us your kids? Like this whole thing. Yeah. I don't think they were his legally though, were they? One was. Anna Marie was. was. That's right. But Shermaine wasn't. So then again, why did they give him back a kid that wasn't his? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So many questions. And then he met Rosemary. Mm. Rosemary Lett. What a love. Hmm. He met her in 1969, right after her 15th birthday. That's just... And how old was he at this point? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. 27. Gross. Yes. Like, it's just insane because... You know, like when you're young, when you're a teenager, you think you know everything. You think you're an adult. Yeah. But then when you get to that 27 or you get to that, like, you know, the age I am at now, I can't say it or I'll get kicked out of Los Angeles. Correct. <laughs> but I look at a at a 15-year-old. I look at a 21-year-old. I'm like, ugh, child, gross. Like, yeah. that's not a developed human yet. <laughs> right. Like, that's not my thing. Like, the whole cougar thing? No. I, no. No. A thir- that's a child. What yeah. are you attracted to? Like, I know that's a whole other topic of, like... That's a different episode. That's a different I'm episode. Kidding. Like, pedophiles' <laughs> brains. Like, what is it? Yeah. yeah. That's pedophilia. I mean, 15. 15. Yeah. 15. Well, he wanted control, right? Like, he wouldn't have been able yeah, to control a fully control developed woman. you can't control a woman. Right. Woman. Yeah. Fucking coward. Yeah, that's, yeah. They met waiting for a bus. It's basically a rom-com meet cute (laughs) until it's not. Right. And she had never had a boyfriend, but she was overly promiscuous. And we don't like to kink shame or slut shame here, but I will say she was trying, she was sleeping with older men every night, different older men. And this is a lot, has a lot to do with the fact that her father did rape her growing up and continued to yeah so she kind of thought all of that's all she had and she was trying to get out of her abusive house and a lot of times you'll see with abuse victims that they pick the cycle they they yeah it's the cycle cycle. and oftentimes the abuse become the abuser yeah yes the psychology on that is pretty tragic really yeah so she worked at a bread shop and quickly left the bread shop to become a full-time caretaker for Charmaine and Anna Marie. So he got them back from social services. 
God, I would have been better off not. I know. And then Rose's parents found out and they were like, you cannot date him. And she was like, I'm going to do what I want. Watch me. Yeah. But the like they met Fred and the mom was like, oh, he's a fucking liar. Like yeah. everything he says is a lie. Yeah. The dad was also schizophrenic. Like what a house to be living in. But when she wouldn't stop seeing him, she was sent to a home for troubled teens. But every visit home, she would just go see Fred. And he got her pregnant at 16. So her mom again called the police because now there's proof of rape basically. And they put her back into care, but they let her go because she promised to terminate the pregnancy and return to her family. Oh, she promised. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. She didn't do either of those things and went to go live with Fred. Yeah. So in 1970, they moved to Midland Road and gave birth to their first daughter, Heather. So now they have Charmaine, Anna Marie, and Heather. And she's 16 at this point. Yes. You're a child. You're still a child and you have three kids. Yeah. So <sighs> in December of 1970, Fred began serving a six-month prison sentence for theft. And towards the very end of it, Rosemary kills Charmaine. Like, what? Where did yeah. that come from? Yeah. And they tell Anna Marie and one of Charmaine's friends that mm. Rena had come and taken Charmaine away. And Anna Marie was like, why wouldn't she take me too? Right. She like lived for a while thinking her mom just abandoned. Her. Well, her mom did abandon both of them, but thought that she, she specifically was yeah. singled out. Yeah. She was eight years old when they killed her. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just saying like, it's thanks Veronica. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch really like, heavy episode. Nothing but freaking Disney and sound of music for the next 48 hours. This is a really shit out. shitty episode. Cause we haven't <laughs> even started yet. Here we go. Oh no. I know. Now in August, 1971, which would be two months after Charmaine's death, insult to injury. Rena finally tracks down where they are on Midland road to collect her children and is never seen again. But her severely dismembered body would be found buried close to Gloucestershire. Gla- Wait, Gloucestershire. Got yeah, it. I'm not even attempting. Nailed that. it. <laughs> so in 1972, Rose and Fred finally marry. The happy couple ties the knot and they move to a very famous address, 25 Cromwell Street. Yeah, House of mm. Horrors. House of Horrors. It is no longer standing. That's how bad it was. There are very few houses in true crime history that, that are, have been yeah. demolished. Yeah. It's like this, Amityville. Dahmer. Dahmer. I know I'll think of another one. Del Cielo, the Manson. Sharon Tate, mm. that house is gone too. That house is gone. Which yeah. is sad. It was such a pretty house, but I get it. Yeah. And I mean Spawn Ranch, yeah. but that was by a fire. Yeah. Oh, so like right, very, right, right. very few get yeah. demolished and this mm. is one of them i'm, I'm was, about like 15 minutes away from spawn ranch where i'm living i'm in the san fernando valley yeah. i'm really close i have mm. i have a friend who said he went and just went for a hike and went exploring and found the cave you know that picture of the whole family in the cave he oh, found yeah. It. yeah yeah crazy stuff. it's like in a state park now isn't it yeah santa Susana pass like up there yeah it's pretty up there yeah it's very pretty um and it's great rock climbing but mm. I know. Okay. So 25 Cromwell Street has been demolished. It's been turned into a remembrance park, which is 
very lovely. So that's that's nice. Okay, so they moved there in 1972 while Rosemary was pregnant with their second child. It was a three-story house and they converted the top floors into like renters units to supplement income. Only the family was allowed to access the garden. This will become important. And on June 1st, Rose gave birth to their second child, May. Her name was May June West, not to be confused with actress May, May West. West. <laughs> and Rose began working as a prostitute, working out of the upper house, upper part of the house. She had like mm. a red light room and would entertain clients there, including her father. And oh my God. she just yeah. like slipped hardcore into depravity. She had relations with anyone and everyone and with females they said that she would up the degree of brutality with the women and would get excited whenever the partner showed any signs of pain or fear rosemary is what we call an anger excitation rapist mm. yeah they are not pleasant people no and what i thought was really interesting was they used a lot of that money that she earned for home improvements you're yes. up here you have a, a murder house and you but it has to be pretty but off to yes. home depot what the fuck i was well, gonna have, just say that like gotta go to home depot yeah <laughs> <What> the <laughs> they fuck? have to have somewhere to bury the bodies and, and money and to, to do nice. it yeah i mean they knew crown molding of course yeah. Oh, and Fred would do all of the renovations himself. Huh. I'm sure it was quality work. Ugh. He would also often partake in threesomes and enjoyed the dominance and control over, you know, having control over the women. And this led them to become increasingly interested in bondage. Mm. Not to be confused with BDSM because they did not practice BDSM lifestyle and rules bdsm has a lot of rules and trust with it right they liked to restrain their victims from fighting back it was just torture it was yes. just mm. i'm a coward i'm gonna tie you up so that i can do what i want yes and that was the thing that i thought was interesting john mclaughlin because he would fight whenever god which woman was it that would come home that he was having the affair with Rena. Rena. Whenever mm. Rena would show up with like a, a, you know, a black eye or whatever, John would go and wail on Fred and let him have it. And he specifically said he could not fight a man. He has yeah. no problem fighting all these women, but I came after him. He could not do it. It's like, why yeah. didn't she leave for and go with John? Just go yeah. be with John. Well, well, didn't she like ask, eventually ask for help? Like, get me out of here. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. she then went back to True. Fred. I, you know, I, it's I like, just... It's like so weird. I mean, if, I don't if, know. It's it's yeah. odd. I mean, these people are master manipulators. They and are so manipulators. In a way, like he knew exactly how to get her. He did the thing that was gonna hook, line, and sinker, and yeah, fucking worked. Like it's just wild. Yeah. And unfortunately for these women, I would. I mean, I don't know, but I would assume that like they're just they're so used to dysfunction. They're yeah. so used to chaos and pain and, and abuse that that's their mm -hmm. normal. So they like it's almost more terrifying to get away from that because then they don't know it's like their identity is gone. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's really deep psychology and it's so painful and upsetting when all you know is chaos. Like that's what you right. gravitate. You know, like think about yeah. it. We've all picked like a certain guy for a certain, you know, we keep going back to the same kind of guy or whatever. And it's because it's just what we're familiar with, even though it's not good for us, we're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So it's hard yeah. to break that. It's it's genuinely hard to break that. And these women clearly didn't have any resources 
you know, they didn't have a lot of Yeah, help. no, that's absolutely true. And they're in very rural, poor right. England. And it's the 60s, 70s, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, uh, it's just, it's like you look at Bundy and you're like, I get it. He's charming. He's good looking, you know, and then you look at Fred West and you're like, Why? what the fuck? Why? Like, how? you know, it's easier to understand the pretty serial killers or like how a victim. Right. right. Like who was it? The yeah. woman, there, some woman famously a fan of Bundy said he just doesn't look like the type who would kill yep. someone. He just doesn't look like it. What, what, right. what, what do they look like? What do they look like? Yeah. What, like that's that's the yeah. he, that's the guy who's going to be able to kill the most people because yep. he doesn't look like it. Even the judge who presided over his trial was a Bundy fan. Yeah. He like, I mean, so inappropriate. Yeah. Like, he said, just... I would have loved to have you practicing law in my court. Young yeah. Man. I'm not yeah. happy about this. Yeah. Like, fuck off yeah that was weird we're like what are you saying ew that was weird and then not surprising there was a lot of domestic violence at the house at 25 cromwell rosemary would end up having eight kids three of which were not freds and oh my god also his ex did you guys see his explanation about oh yeah (laughs) he explained to the kids why they had darker skin (laughs) was because his great grandmother was black what are you talking about but um all of the children were beaten sexually abused and a lot of this was actually handed down by rose she loved to beat the kids and between 1972 and 1992 so in a 20 year span the children were admitted to the hospital 31 times Mm. And social services was never contacted. That's insane. It really makes me wonder, like, what the threshold for social services was back in the day. Right. Especially over in England, too. Like, I don't know the rules over there, but, like... Who knows what their funding was, what their staffing was. Yeah, wild. Heather and May, like we said, were severely incestuously abused, especially once they hit puberty and Anna Marie ended up running away from home. We're going to kind of skip over all of that stuff. But they outfitted their cellar, home improvement as they were, loved a good home, loved a good cellar. They (laughs) outfitted their cellar for rape and torture. They started using it on Anna Marie when she was eight years old. They prostituted her out when she was 13. And she did run away from home. She got out. She is alive today, married. Good for her. And she has a book about surviving it. So, like, she got out. Yay, Mm. Anna Marie. So... Just want to like give that, and now we get into the murders. Just the lead up to this. That wasn't even like. Yeah, that's what I find so difficult for some reason is all of the other stuff. Yeah, because it was just constant abuse. It was just yeah. This is this is this little girl's life. All of their life. It was awful. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-two. We get our first date night murder. Caroline Owens was 17 years old and picked up hitchhiking. She agreed to be a nanny to the then three West children. Mm -hmm. She didn't like the overt sexual advances that were made on her. And so she decided she was going to go home, but they ended up picking her up when she was like trying to hitchhike home again and brought her to the cellar. Great. Repeatedly raped her. She agreed to stay on as the nanny and saw her chance to escape and booked it. So she did get out. She is not a, I mean, she's a victim, but she's not a murder victim. She got home. She, her mom called the cops. Mm-hmm. 
They were both arrested, Rosemary and Fred, but by the time the trial came around, Caroline couldn't bring herself to relive it. So the larger charges of rape were dropped and the Wests pled guilty to reduced charges of indecent assault and causing bodily harm. They each paid a 50 pound fine and walked out of court. And I'm wondering, how are your children not taken away? Right. How are you not on a list and like can't be around people? Right. It really makes me wonder, like, again, what is what was the system like back then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it was, you know, unfortunately, cases like this had to happen for laws to eventually happen for for Mm -hmm. things to change eventually. I mean, hopefully some good came out of something like this where they realized, oh, whoops. Yeah. Maybe we should have taken that more seriously. Yeah, I think they were definitely like, oh, this was a huge oversight, like, of insane proportions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I know at least American, like, social services doesn't want to take your kids away. Like, too much paperwork. It's well, and it's not like it is in the movies where, like, you have to have a perfect, like, it's a very low bar as long as you're not abusing your children or like showing abuse of your children they pretty much stay with the mom so it is depends on the state i guess that's true do you know nevada yeah Yeah, nevada favors the mother yeah nevada favors the mother i don't know about california a lot of the west coast does favor the mother in these cases going midwest they favor a lot of the father more patriarchal Mm. it yeah it just depends on the state I used to work at a halfway house for children who got taken away from their parents. Oh, wow. Jesus mm-hmm. days. Yeah, this was, uh, this was before I met you. <laughs> oh, wow. But three months after Caroline escaped and they paid their fines to the court, Linda Goff would have two boyfriends who were lodgers at 25 Cromwell. And she was there a lot. She was 19 years old and kind of moved in, not for long. Because around April 20th, she disappeared and the lodgers were told that she was told to go home after she apparently hit one of the West's children. She, however, was bound and gagged, suspended from the beams in the cellar, abused repeatedly and eventually died either of strangulation or asphyxiation. Her dismembered body would be discovered in an inspection pit beneath the garage. And this is this is how we're tying it back to this case is they were all buried under where Fred was rebuilding the house, like doing Mm -hmm. housework. So, and it was a couple, like we will, like Rosemary was very much involved, not so much in the episode, but very much an active participant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the episode, the guy, he kind of gave more Bundy vibes than, than Fred. I feel like they combined two stories two people there's so many bundies in the like there's so many bundies but do they like with everyone they're like throw a bundy in there throw a bundy in in criminal minds yeah 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 so many little bundy nuggets bundy nuggets I used to do a podcast with Pandora Box from RuPaul's Drag Race, if you're familiar with it. We used to run a show together, and we actually had, oh my, I'm not going to pronounce her last name right, but Kristen Van, Kristen Vagnes. Vagnes. Yeah, she came on one day, and she was Oh, cool. Yeah, she was super cool. Oh, I love her. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's the best. Oh, Garcia. We love her. There were five victims who would be murdered and buried in the cellar at Cromwell Street between November 1973 and April 1975. Mm -hmm. Not all of the West's victims have been identified. Goddamn. They also do not believe it stops at 12. 
because there are periods of time where they, you know, they just don't have bodies for those periods. But these kinds of killers don't stop. No. They don't just take a break. No. So spoiler alert about that. Yeah. And if you're getting away with it, you probably start to form a little bit of a, you know, untouchable God complex. Like, well, yeah. done mm-hmm. all this so far. No one's going to stop me. Yeah. You get very comfortable. Yeah. But at least when, when these guys in this case, or women start getting comfortable. At least that's a good thing because that's when they start making mistakes. Yes. So they get sloppy. Yeah. They get sloppy. They get lazy or they, they just get arrogant and that's how they get caught, which is at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and actually what I do think is very interesting about this case is that every victim, he would dismember all the victims and every single one was missing like small bones whether it was oh. finger bones, toe bones, ankle bones, wrist bones, or the patella. Souvenirs? Yeah. They were all missing that. And that was a signature specific to Fred West. That started with Rena and Isa. They had them back in the countryside before he even met Rosemary. Yeah. So that's a signature specific to Fred. I'm just still so blown away that he met this woman, that these two people found each other and came together yeah. And that she did with her first kill, right. he wasn't even there. That is shocking. Yeah, there's a word for it. Fucked up finds fucked up. Correct. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a word. Yes. Evil means evil. There's someone out there for Dumb everyone. and dumber. It, it's, <laughs> um, Stace, do you know it? It's French. It's full, full, la. Text uh, it to me. To... <laughs> oh, do you speak French? Can you say it? Okay, nice. Yeah, do I have to see it though? I read it better than I took French instead of Spanish in school. Oh, nice. I took Spanish. Delusion shared by two and evil shared by two. <laughs> Delusion shared by two. Yeah, that makes sense. Evil I shared by two. That's us. Okay, so it's called... That, um, <laughs> that is you too. It's a shared psychotic disorder. Fola a deux? Fale a deux. Yeah, it's yeah. basically a delusion or a psychotic like, thing shared by two people. And that's what this is, is... Two very disturbed evil individuals sharing the same evilness. Soulmates. This is what I think about when people are like, soulmates. I'm like, this. <laughs> this is it. I think soulmates <laughs> is gross. It's this. So here we go. Continuing on our death march. This is one of the least fun cases that I have researched. Crazy because there's just so much. Just so kept much going. To- it's just, and you're yeah. just like, Ugh. yeah. It really exhausted me to research this one. Carol Ann Cooper, 15 years old, November 10th, 1973. This is about a year before Ted Bundy would hit the scene. And I say that not only because we're talking about Ted this episode, but because serial killers are thought to be a very American phenomenon and were popularized by Bundy. And it did become a very American thing after Bundy to get like recognition through killing. But these two were before Bundy. Well, look at Jack the Ripper. I mean, that Jack was, the Ripper. Way back. So really, it's an English thing. And that's who we need to be blaming. <laughs> I feel like we blame them a lot for things. <laughs> Well, if the shoe fucking fits, if the, the crown fits, baby. Fits. Yeah, but I mean, it happens everywhere, though. It's it's, it's unfortunately us. a part of some human nature. So, 1973, she was abducted while she was waiting for a bus. She had the exact same fate as Linda and was found in a cubic grave in the cellar. Over the next 17 months, the four other victims between the ages of 15 to 21 
would all suffer the same fate as Carol Ann and Linda. But forensics has now shown that with each victim, the torture and abuse would be greater than the previous one. So they're ramping up. And all of those girls were buried in the basement. The last one to be buried in the cellar was Juanita Mott. She was 18 years old. And in 1975, was tortured and killed. This prompted Fred to concrete over the entire cellar floor, just a little bit more, you know, house renos. And he converted this section of the house into a bedroom for his oldest children. Delightful. Mm. Pleasant. Dad of the year. Shirley Robinson. She was 18 years old. And in May of 1978, she would die. She began renting at 25 Cromwell in April 1977. So she was there for about a year, a little over a year, and she was very pregnant at the time of her death. Rose like bragged that it was Fred's to people. Like she would brag about the weirdest shit. She was severely deranged. And Shirley would be found in the garden under the patio, heavily dismembered, but there was no like no bondage paraphernalia was discovered with her, as was with so many of the other victims, which has actually led police to believe that sexual motivation was not in play here, but it was potentially jealousy by Rose because she didn't want another mother child in the family. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's better or worse. I guess she didn't get tortured. So yeah, um, I don't know. Who else needs a drink? (laughs) I know we're Almost done I for everyone hanging in there for these. We're coming up to the last two. Allison Chambers was sixteen year old was sixteen years old in August fifth, nineteen seventy nine. She ran away from a children's home to become the West's live in nanny. This was their thing. They would kind of use the children as pawns to get people. Her body was buried in the garden as well. This one was different because the Wests sent a letter that she had previously written to her mom and they sent it after her death from a post box in Northamptonshire in an effort to like calm the mom hide, down. Yeah. yeah like, like hide what they were doing. And this was mm-hmm. kind of the first time they had told a bunch of people like, oh, she ran off back home. Oh, she, you know, Rena came and got the kid, but they had never gone to like this kind length. of yeah effort. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Heather West would be the last victim after her sexual abuse turned to presumed intercourse with her father. Heather started showing a lot of signs that incest rape victims show her mental and physical health started to deteriorate. Friends noted this, the school noted this, and she also even complained about some of the abuse, not any of the sexual stuff to her friends about like what she and her siblings were going through. This actually got back to her parents and Fred like never let her be unaccompanied again. She finally left school in 1986. She applied for a lot of jobs in an attempt to get out of the house. Her last job application was for a holiday camp and they did not hire her, Mm. which apparently caused great commotion for, I mean, obviously She cried all night. Her siblings went to school the next day. And when they got back, Heather was gone. And her parents told them she had gone to work at the holiday camp. But then Rose told a neighbor that they had actually had a huge fight and she ran away. And then Fred told the kids that she actually ran off with a lesbian lover and didn't want anything to do with them. Oh, my God. And they had actually started thinking, did you guys see this, that they thought she was a lesbian because she didn't like what her dad was doing to her. So she just must not like men. Wow. Which is wild. 
a wild mm-hmm. leap. Like how did they, how can you be more delusional than we already thought they were? Yeah. Right. Oh right. So that was in 1986 for years. Fred would jokingly threaten the kids that if they misbehaved at all, they would end up under the patio like Heather. Mm. So that was just like a fun family joke that was happening. Hilarious. Hilarious. And then in May of 1992, so six years later, Fred would rape his 13-year-old daughter, Louise, which this abuse had been happening for years, but this was the final escalation of it. She told a friend everything who told their mom who called the police and the children were removed from the home fucking finally placed into foster care and medical exams revealed physical and sexual abuse on all of them. So between that happening, Heather's disappearance, Fred and Rose constantly changing stories, the police were able to get a search warrant to dig up the patio because they were like, you're going to be under the patio like Heather. And then they found Heather and then they found Shirley and and like they kept fine. And so then they arrested Fred at like they arrested them. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just started like confessing to all of these murders that they had no idea. And then they're like, all right, let's go check the cellar. All right, let's go check the garage. Yeah, well, he's been in chicken shit this whole time. So that's not surprising. But it seems like he was doing it to protect Rose. He's like, Rose had nothing to do with it. Rose had nothing to do with it. And psychologists now think that in the beginning of the relationship, he was the dominant one because there always is in mm. a psychotic partnership mm-hmm. and by the end she had turned to the dominant one yeah because like you said sam she would chase him with a fucking knife right i mean it seems like she was capable of it the whole time though like because she killed was it charmaine yeah and he wasn't even there so he i think wasn't- that might have been what turned it yeah was yeah, he didn't have control over going. her anymore that was the beginning i'm sure yeah i mean but that's what i mean about like thank goodness that they were getting kind of arrogant and sloppy because mm-hmm. had they gone over their stories and made sure that none of the information got out or like god forbid like like you crack a joke about you're gonna wind up on the wild and there's truth to every joke you know every joke there's a little bit of truth to it mm, yeah so oh my god wild but yeah, so basically he was like, Rose is innocent, Rose is innocent. Rose was like, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I don't know. Eh. And this weird thing happened in the courtroom. Like, she snubbed him or something. Like, she wouldn't make eye contact with him and ignored him one day in court. And the next day, because they were only able to, like, really connect three murders to Rose, I think mm-hmm. is what it was. And he was like, Fred was getting ten murders. As they found more bodies, more you know, charges were happening. Mm-hmm. But the police were uh, like, they were like, Charmaine is definitely Rose. Like they, they got a forensic odontologist. They were like ready to at least put in something on Rose. And then she like snubbed him in the courtroom. And that night he hanged himself Yeah, in mm-hmm. his jail cell and killed himself. And they put everything on Rose they were able to link her to at least 10 murders and now she's serving 10 life sentences without the possibility. Yeah. But like, this isn't a fun one. No, no it's a heavy one and it's full and it's a lot. And uh, it's really freaking interesting. There's like so many twists and turns of like, how did they get away with it for so 
freaking long. Yeah. I think about this with like cases like the Turpins, that family of like crazy kids who had the, he had the weird haircut and they had like 13 children and they were abused and neglected for freaking years. And then finally one day they got caught and I was just like, how did you not get caught before? They would go on vacations and stuff like that. And there's this famous photo of them in like these sweatshirts. Yes. Yes. yes that one. Screaming. Yes. I just saw the mom. And I'm just like, what did we do to fail in our system? And I, I know that this was based in England. And I don't know what their life was like or their you know judicial system is like. But how did we fail? How did yeah. we fail these children? How did we not see them at did they go to school? They did go to school. Yeah. Like, how did we not see this at school? Like, how did we not did report not this? And it was literally only because her friend told her mom and the mom was like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. And called the police. And that's how they got caught. Yeah. Well, and there was one police officer who had heard of them before this all went down. And it was one of the girls who got out. Or, like, ran it and was like, this is what happened with fucking Fred West. Like, isn't this so weird? And she was like, wait, what? And then this started coming up. And then she was like, we have to keep on this case. Because she and she was the one who ended up getting the warrant and, like, going in there. Because she was like, this is not the first time I've heard of these people. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's like, how are they still around children? How were they allowed to run something with underage girls coming in and out? Like the whole, th mm -hmm. what are the, where are the neighbors? Mm, good point. Like check on your neighbors, you guys at random times show up. Didn't she tell people that she was a massage therapist and that's why all these guys were yes. coming in and out? Yeah. 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 So none the wiser with the neighbors. Yeah. And you know, there's like a, that unspoken rule, I'm sure even back in the 60s where like honor thy neighbor, you know? Yeah, it's just it's a very weird breakdown. And obviously, the American system has had many a breakdown. Dahmer for one, like there are God, so many. Embarrassing. Yeah, that that's you can point like, to. Yeah, that have but, led to yeah. reform. Waco and Ruby Ridge is another mm -hmm. that led to major federal reform. But it's just a shame that that someone so young and so innocent has to go through that. In order yes. for someone to be like, oh, maybe we should pay more attention to that. Yeah. But I do. I think you should really just show up at your neighbor's, like, ask for sugar. Random hours of the day. Yeah. I would never answer the door. I and I would person. report you that people go in and never come out. <laughs> That's fair. I would literally never. I don't even answer the door now. If someone knocks on my door and I'm clearly home, like, they can see me. I'm like, mm. I Oh, I have to. Jehovah's Witnesses don't leave. You have to answer mm. the door. I would you report you for asking for sugar. I'd be like, clearly you don't really need any sugar. What are, are you casing my house? Are you house calling right me fat? Uh, <laughs> no. Actually, excuse me. I'm calling you skinny. I'm saying you're so gorgeous and in shape <laughs> that you would you. never ask for sugar. So you can cover. Fuck off. I bake pies. You don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, but like, does. nobody does this. that. Like, people don't go over, can I borrow a cup of milk? Like, that doesn't happen anymore. People no, and did Instagram. that ever happen? No. Yes, it oh, happened. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so like... I still do that. I do, do that. You still do that? Yeah, You're with so my across-the-street neighbors. I've borrowed a wrench from them once, and I had to get eggs. I was like, I just need two eggs, Lynn, do you have? And she's like, yeah. You're so weird. Oh, my God. I'm mm -hmm. sorry that I am an old-timey housewife with no one <laughs> to keep house for. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, there's yeah. this British comedian I think you might be a good oh, pairing a with. Oh, a good fit. Oh, what's I, his name God, again? What is his name? He's like a refrigerator. Tall, older, yeah. distinguished gentleman. Yeah. Am I allowed to say it? 
<laughs> yes, say it. Okay, because I was like, I know. Say it. It's Greg Davies, if you're listening, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure you are not. Yeah, but not. if you are, hit us up because Veronica <laughs> likes likes you. Our friend likes you. <laughs> Our friend wants to go Our out Our friend with you. who doesn't know you really wants to date you. <laughs> She's completely mentally stable. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, and so Sam, there's... There it is. <laughs> Sam, tell us. Tell us about your show, what you got going on. <laughs> that is a transition. You're welcome. We're really good at them here. We're good at segues. Wow. Segways. Well, um, so my show... I feel weird talking about horror nerd right now, but it's about scary movies, like not real things. Yeah. <laughs> not we kind of talked about you with Anastasia oh, um, nice. in episode 11. Yeah, yeah, she's done the show. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But so so my show, Horror Nerd at the Hollywood Improv, it's every third Friday of the month. So the next one would be September 15th. Super great. excited. We always have a great lineup. It's just basically we just kind of, take the piss out of scary movies. We kind of roast Michael Myers or we roast vampires or we, you know, it's super fun. We decorate the stage. We make it kind of like, it feels like a party. Like you've done the show, Veronica, isn't it? Like yeah. a, it's an atmosphere. It's more of an experience. It's very fun. Yeah. It's, it's a very it's fun show. It's not a regular and show. <laughs> it yeah. is. I've seen it. It's really fun. Yeah. And I like the theme and I like what you do with like the comics and pulling the strip of paper. Oh out yeah. And they have to like, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Because you can see some of them really start to panic a little I know, bit. It is kind of funny. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I have a little bit of the torturer within me Ooh, because I like to see is. them suffer. You know, oh but yeah, God. we pull yes. like characters out of a hat and they have to do like a, a thirty second minute riff on the character. Yeah. But but here's some really exciting news though. Um so Halloween, Halloween time's gonna be a big month for us. But as of now, we just locked in the Brea improv, October nineteenth. Which I'm very Congratulations. Thank you. It's a gorgeous, it's like 500 seats. It's huge. It's a big room. It's it's a beautiful room. So I'm very excited about that. That is October 19th, Brea Improv, and tickets are on sale now. Great. Awesome. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Yeah. We will not be talking about Fred or Rosemary. (laughs) No. Gotcha. But now you could. We could. But now you could. Good. Oh my god. But I feel like not they're not <laughs> as commonly known obviously in the states. Which they're- I find so fascinating. I think you're absolutely right, but I will always be like like Fred and Rosemary and people are like I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like right, right, They right. were arrested in the 90s. What do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? Right. <laughs> Well, when you, <laughs> when you had, like, given me a few options to pick from, I definitely recognize them, but I watch a yeah. lot of documentaries. So I remembered, like, oh, I remember that one being kind of a good one. I didn't remember the severity yeah. of it. Holy yes. shit. A little mm-hmm. warning. I know. It was bad. We just like to surprise people. It works. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. We'll give it you worked. Gary Hyde, Nick, too. That'll be a real fun one. Oh, boy. <laughs> It's so gross. It's so bad. The other day, I was like, Aviv, do you want to do the Columbine episode? Oh. I was like, who am I going to get to do Columbine? Yeah, I'm I'm busy that day. Yeah, like, no one wants that. We really want people to come back if you couldn't tell. (laughs) Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. We'll definitely be at Horror Nerd. Amazing. Um, So come out and see us if you're not going to come out to see Sam. That's fair. Um, As long as you come out, I don't care. Yeah, just come out. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And like, subscribe, download, whatever the kids say. And join us next week for another episode of Criminal Giants. (laughs) 